Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined, as always, by Gabby Urrutia, who is kind enough to join us on his vacation. Thank you for that, Gabby. Uh, Through the Smoke Army appreciates you. Uh-huh. Uh, wanted to say, too, you know, we, we had a ton of signups here with the recent deal. We've had a ton, ton of signups in general over the last, you know, six, seven months with the excitement of the new trajectory of the program. And just want to thank everyone for, for coming on board uh, as subscribers to Inside the U. Thank you. Your your support means so much to us. We mentioned, too, in our last full episode that we are open for business in terms of uh, looking for potential advertisers uh, to be title sponsors of this show. So if you're a small business owner or uh, you know have some connections in that way, uh, feel free to hit us up. You can reach me at lake.david at gmail.com. And you can email Gabby at gabbyu22, that's 1B, at gmail.com. You can slide into Gabby's DMs, et cetera, et cetera, on Twitter. Uh, we did have quite a few people reach out last time we brought it up. But, uh, you know, we, we'd like to nail something down and uh, maybe we can have something figured out for August, which is when fall camp gets rolling, football season's here. And that, quite frankly, is when our numbers are the strongest. So um, again, lake.david at gmail.com if you're interested in that. All right, Gabby, um, we're gonna, this episode will be basically chit-chatting about conference realignment, which is kind of a hot topic right now in the middle of summer, not much else going on in college football uh, at this time, except for that. And then we'll take a break and we will get your midway point, let's call it, mock recruiting class, right? Uh, you published a mock class, I don't know, two weeks ago or so, eh, maybe just a week ago, uh, you know, sharing who you thought would end up in Miami's class. So I'm curious if you've made any tweaks to that. We'll get into it in the second half of the podcast. But let's start with conference realignment, Gabby. Um, I, I put up a 
quick VIP notes, just kind of what I'm hearing about or just what what Miami's positioning is in conference realignment. Um, now that USC and UCLA have, have kind of sped up the process, I think, for everyone else uh, with their move going from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten. Um, just some of the, the cliff notes, right? You know, Miami, of course, is well aware that um, the future needs to be figured out, whether that is the ACC figuring out a more viable long-term option, uh, because Miami's position, and this is uh, the right way to think, is that the status quo is not viable, right? The, the SEC and Big Ten are due to get north of $100 million per school with their new co contract deals. And the ACC, best case scenario, will probably be getting half of that uh, once you know the ACC network is, is at its full powers, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe about 50 million. I think this last year is like 38 million or so. Um, but yeah, so Miami's leadership understands that that is not viable moving forward. And so to me, there's, there's basically three options on the table, not even options, uh, just three scenarios, right? The ACC figures out how to get Notre Dame at the conference, um, which would basically establish three super conferences, in my opinion, not two. Now, the likelihood of that scenario happening, I think, is slim, and I think Miami understands that as well. The other two scenarios are, um, you know, the SEC and the Big Ten. Uh, I think we all kind of think this thing's going to a two-conference superpower model uh, with television companies, uh, Fox and ESPN, driving those moves. And honestly, too, Gabby, I think that is where the awareness needs to be. I don't know if this is necessarily the Big Ten scooping up schools or, or the SEC scooping up schools. What it really is, is two TV companies scooping up assets, uh, big brands to uh, put on their television networks or uh, you know content providers, however that looks in five to 10 years. Um, so basically, it's the Fox Conference and the ESPN Conference, Big Ten and SEC. Um, and honestly, below that, you could argue, too, that's, what's, that's what could happen with two lesser leagues, with the Big 12, which is associated with Fox, and the ACC, which is associated with ESPN. So, um, you know, I don't know if necessarily Miami knows what the future is going to hold but they are confident that they will be a part of um, whatever this conference realignment looks like at the highest level because Miami is an attractive brand. I think they are confident if they show they can win this season that um, that only improves uh, their leverage, right? Or, or makes them even more attractive to ESPN or Fox. So I don't know, Gabby. Do you have any questions? If I I can't answer everything because right. nobody really knows, but anything stand out to you that you want to touch on? I mean, 
I, I just think it's interesting. And we're like, I guess where my thoughts kind of go is just kind of like where Miami fits into this. Like, I, I, I don't know if it's as so much of a question rather than like, maybe where do I kind of see Miami fitting best? Like is the best case scenario for Miami for the ACC to potentially get Notre Dame involved and potentially attract a couple other brands. Like I'm not even sure what's left to sort of pick from, but you know, maybe get Notre Dame, a couple other programs, maybe jump on board or right. is it maybe better for them to kind of just jump ship into the sec and the, or the big 10, I know there's a lot that kind of goes into into it, David. I don't know if you want to maybe get into it more because I, I know it's not as simple as, hey, you know what? We're kind of feeling the SEC. Let's jump right in there. Like, I know there's some behind right. the scenes stuff that kind of factors into all this stuff more that, uh, you know, maybe makes staying in the ACC the easier route, I guess, in terms of just like financially and all that stuff. I don't know if you want to maybe get into some of that stuff. So maybe people get a better understanding of, of that I aspect think- of all of it. I think the ACC schools, the easiest thing, and, and you could argue the best, it's the least messy, maybe, um, is bringing in Notre Dame, right? So you bring in Notre Dame, maybe you pick off some of those um, academically minded Pac-12 schools, I don't know, um, like Stanford, Cal, bring in Notre Dame, um, maybe you make a run at Oregon, Washington. I know the Big 12 is making a run at all those schools too right now. Uh, but yes, I think you land in Notre Dame and then, you know, you can go to ESPN and say, look, we, you got to help us now. Uh, we have Notre Dame. You got to, we got to get a better TV contract deal than we have right now. And ESPN should be willing to play ball. So I think that's, in some ways the easiest, but how likely is that one? Probably not that likely. Um, you know, I, it just seems like Notre Dame's just going to sit on the sidelines and wait this out until they absolutely have to make a decision. So I think that's, that's the easiest path for the ACC to remain a power conference. Um, The TV side of things is where things get interesting, right? If the ACC can't figure out uh, how to be viable in terms of competing with the Big Ten or the SEC, that's where Miami needs to hope that either Fox with the Big Ten or ESPN with the SEC throws them a life raft of sorts, right? So from a Fox perspective, Uh, they would need to hope that Fox finds a way to help them with the grant of rights payout for leaving the ACC in some sort of way, right? Um, Because that's going to be north of $100 million. How far north? I don't know, but it's going to cost a lot of money to leave the ACC. Uh, The SEC side of that is interesting. And honestly, I don't know the answer to this, but. the SEC and the ACC are under that ESPN umbrella, right? Um, who's really pulling the strings on all of this. So is there a scenario where um, the SEC slash ESPN goes to a- the ACC slash ESPN and says, hey, we want to bring in Miami, Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina, Um 
this grant of rights stuff, we're just not going to pay it. You're just going to bring us those schools and we're going to maintain our 2036 contract with the ACC. Go pick off some group of five schools and we'll still pay you for that 2036 contract, but we're not going to, we're not going to force Miami, Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina to pay that grant of rights deal. So, you know, it's a matter of does Fox really want to stick it to ESPN and and pay huge bucks to bring Miami to the Big Ten? Or would ESPN be willing to play ball within that ESPN umbrella of ACC, SEC? Um, because again, this is basically college football is turning into two television networks going right. at it. So, and you know, too, I think there's other scenarios too. I mean, a lot of this is hot air, I'll admit, but you know, you could make the argument if you are Miami, Florida State, Clemson, and North Carolina, right? I think those are the four premier brands of the ACC. Can those schools? convince at least four other schools to jump with them uh, to a different conference, right? And, and if you did that, you would essentially kill off the ACC. And so would there be a grant of rights to even be paid? So right. Miami, uh, North Carolina, this is just me talking off the top of my head, right? Miami, North Carolina, Virginia, Georgia Tech, um, maybe Pittsburgh, Boston College. These are all kind of Big Ten type of schools, in my opinion, just yeah. as a profile. If those schools go to the Big Ten and let's say Florida State, Clemson, Louisville, uh, NC State, Virginia Tech yeah. go to the SEC, what's left of the ACC, right. right? There is no ACC. So on the flip side of that, though, does the Big Ten want a Boston College? Does the Big Ten want a Georgia Tech? Does the Big Ten, you know, so, and the SEC, do they want a NC State? Do they want a Virginia Tech? Um, so I think that's a long-winded way of saying, look, I don't know if anyone in the ACC knows where this thing is going because this, this television contract is a mess for them. Uh, I don't know if the ACC commissioner, Jim Phillips, has any answers because there seems to be, I don't know, I, I've been told there's an issue with Jim Phillips and Jack Swarbrick, who is the athletic director at Notre Dame. Jack Swarbrick, played a big role in setting up this and uh, outlining what the college football uh, expansion playoff would look like. And Jim Phillips nuked that, right? He, he, the ACC was not on board with the expansion. So they tabled it, set it back for a few years. The Jim Phillips side of that, he is frustrated that they can't get Notre Dame on board. So I'm not saying they won't work together, but there seems to be a little bit of tension between those two gentlemen. So again, this is a long-winded answer of saying Miami is well aware that this is important. Um, they are actively having conversations internally about what 
are different scenarios? What are different paths that they need to take? What path will they take? I think is an unknown right now, but they are confident that um, they will be fine at the end of all of this realignment. They're going to be a part of it, right? They're not going to be left behind. I think you could make the argument. I mean, I think of the of the remaining free agent schools in terms of not in the SEC and not in the Big Ten. I think Notre Dame by far is the biggest brand uh, remaining. I think you, I think you could. I don't know if I would make this argument right now today, but I think you could make the argument that Miami might be the second biggest brand. I think most people, and I would probably make this argument, say it's Clemson just because of their recent run of success. Yeah, that's what I would go with too. But if we're talking like national brands. Right. Recognizable like, brands. Like to me, Clemson is a regional brand. And Miami to me is a national brand. And yeah. maybe I'm biased because I'm a Miami guy. But I would say Miami, I would say Florida State is more of a national brand than I Clemson. Agree. I would so, agree with that. To me, that matters, right? And and I do think Clemson is more desirable, of course, right now than Miami and Florida State. Sure. But, um, you know, it's a lot of – and in terms of timeline, who knows, right? Because these announcements get popped up out of nowhere, right? They, they just surprise everyone, and it's like, oh, okay, Oklahoma and Texas are now SEC schools. Oh, okay, USC and UCLA are now Big Ten schools. So – this thing could either be decided in two years in terms of from a Miami perspective, two years from now or two days from now. So, um, you know, it's, I, I do think though, and this is me editorializing a little bit, uh, Miami's recent moves of spending big up front to land Mario Cristobal, to give him a, a big time coaching staff, um, to go get Dan Radakovich. It looks like, I mean, you and I here behind the scenes, right? They're going to spend big on facility upgrades. So this leadership group is not afraid to spend big if it means sustainability in the future is the outcome. And that would certainly be the case if Miami had to leave the ACC to go to the SEC or Big Ten, right? So like... um if it costs, let's just say 150 million, this is, I, nobody really knows what the grant of rights is going to cost, but let's say it costs 150 million to leave the ACC. If Miami joins the Big Ten or the SEC and they're making $100 million a year, it doesn't take a financial genius to figure out that the move is worth it, right? So you, you'd pay it off in one and a half years, basically. So yeah. bottom line is, I don't know. <laughs> Miami's, good. Miami's gonna be fine in the long yeah, run. Yeah, right. But there are a lot of questions as to how this all looks at the end of the day. Anything yeah. else you want to ask? I mean, I guess just I mean, I think it's just important what you said already. It was just like there there are conversations kind of going on about this, right? Like this isn't something that probably something that not even the US USC and UCLA move sparked. Like it seems like this is something that they've been kind of monitoring and kind of you know been having some conversations about you know, big picture wise. And, uh, you know, I think that's important to, to know as Miami fans, that this is something that, you know, the university is aware of, like you mentioned, I don't think Miami's going to be on the wrong side of this, but right. I guess my last thing, David, I guess it, it's just your opinion. Like, 
what what do you think what is best case scenario for Miami in this like just maybe from a fan's perspective maybe from your personal like opinion just what you would like to see happen like is there anything in particular you're like you know I would love to see Miami in the SEC or I, I feel like you know the Big Ten's a good fit for Miami or even you know the ACC like just kind of sticking around Notre Dame gets involved and they kind of get this thing rolling like what would you like to see happen I think if you're mixing the best case scenario in terms of finances and getting to one of those two super conferences, the best case scenario would be ESPN leaning on the ACC and being like, hey, let these four schools go to the SEC, beating Miami, Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina, and they don't have to pay a grant of rights. I mean, what's the ACC going to do in that scenario? Uh, and ES, like what you said, the TV companies are kind of like pushing this, right? So ESPN, they're behind all of it. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's so ESPN, where the I feel like is. ESPN can kind of strong arm the cock. Well, I'm not saying they will, but I guess they potentially have the, or are in position to, or can, or have that type of influence potentially. Cause I mean, that's where the money's really coming from anyways. Right. Like it's coming from ESPN. So and to be clear, this is me. Right. Coming up with this scenario. Like right, no one at Miami is saying this, um, sure. but yeah, I mean, this is, ESPN and Fox pulling the strings of what college football is looking like, right? So, yeah, I think that's maybe in terms of like getting to a super conference, that's the easiest path. How likely is that? I don't know, honestly. Um, Personally, this is just me personally. I mean, I'd be cool with either one, Big Ten, SEC. But personally, I'd like to, I'd prefer Miami in the Big Ten just because I would enjoy those away games more, I think, in terms of like visiting those Big Ten cities um, rather than SEC cities. I think both would be fun, um, but I, I would prefer Big Ten. I also think just, you know, academic, Miami views themselves as an academic school, and I think that kind of fits more what the Big Ten's about as well. Um, so, yeah, I and then there's something to be said too, like if if they can pull it off and bring in Notre Dame into the ACC, I I would like that. So, um, how likely is that though? I think it's slim. So, in terms of like predicting what's going to happen, I honestly have no clue. So, what about you? What is your opinion in terms of like Big Ten, SEC, or stick in the ACC and pull in Notre Dame somehow? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I just I I mean, I just kind of feel like it's trending towards these two super conferences. I guess there is room for three, but the regionality of it, I guess would be kind of wild. Cause again, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know anymore if there's, if that's even to restrict something, but I think if the ACC can get, you know, Notre Dame on board, you can, you go get like an Oregon or something like that, which again, is insane. Um, even some of these other schools that have been competitive, like, I don't know, maybe even like pulling like a, a Cincinnati type away from the big 12 or something like that. I know that might be tough. I don't know. I'd like to see the ACC survive this and have three kind of bigger conferences, but I also think it would kind of be cool to be in the SEC. Uh, I'm also down with the big 12. I'm kind of open-minded. I feel like about all this conference realignment stuff. I I'm kind Same. of like, I could see a couple different scenarios working out. The only thing I don't really want is Miami kind of being on the outside looking in. I don't really feel like that's going to happen. So I feel like I'm kind of like, let's see how this goes. I could see like multiple situations working out in Miami's favor. So I'm kind of along for the ride right now. And uh, I think it's going to be cool regardless. Again, like I think we talked about it with the ACC schedule. Like I'm all for like something different, right? Like if Miami gets to start playing like 
Michigan, like playing at Michigan every other year or, you know, playing at Ohio State, playing Ohio State or Penn State or those types of schools would be super cool if Miami could start. You know, I mean, they're they're trying to build an SEC type roster. If they could start really challenging right. themselves with playing Alabama and Florida and LSU yeah, and and them year in and year out, I mean, I think that makes Miami even more competitive in the eyes of you know these recruits and stuff like that. So I could see a lot of different scenarios working out in Miami's favor, and I'm kind of about it. You know, I think it's cool. I think it's a, I think it's a, I think it's a, you know, it's different. It's it's again not like traditional college football. It's kind of a new era but you kind of got to get on or get sort of left behind. And I'm kind of in wait and see mode. Let's see what happens. Yeah. And, and my leadership, cool. they're aggressive, right? They've right. shown that ex- here. Exactly. Recently. So, um, and I think they're, who knows, right? This is more just hot air, but let's say if we're thinking of, of conferences in terms of TV companies, right? Uh, so, Fox has the Big Ten Super Conference. Underneath it has whatever the Pac-12 and Big 12 morphing into a conference looks like. So they would have those two conferences. ESPN would have the SEC Super Conference. And then the ACC would be the, I don't know, beta conference, for lack of a better term. So maybe that's how they build it out moving forward. And maybe the Big Ten and the SEC have more college football playoff berths than the um, Big 12, Pac-12 uh, slash ACC would have. Uh, there, there's just a lot of ways that this thing could go. For sure. So we will see. But I 100% agree. Like, I don't think Miami's going to get left behind in anything. I don't think from an ACC perspective, those four schools, I think will be fine. Um, Clemson, Florida State, Miami, North Carolina. Because those are just big brands and those are extremely attractive to content providers. Um, All right, let's take a break there. And then on the other side, we will get into Gabby's midway mock class. We'll discuss it, break it down, and get his confidence on some of these predictions for guys that aren't in the class that he predicts could end up be in the class come December, February. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back. Gabby, let's just divide this into offense, defense. Let's just go kind of the traditional way of quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, offensive line, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so let's start with quarterback. Basically, my this is this can be quick, right? Miami has two guys committed already. Jaden Rashada, top 50 quarterback out of California. 
and Emery Williams, three-star quarterback out of the panhandle of Florida, who also an elite 11 finalist. Um, Emery, you know, I think impressed out in the elite 11 finals. I said this going in, I still feel this way. I think he'll get some sort of bump following his performance there. You know, do I expect him to be a four-star? That's to be determined, but can he be a borderline three-star, four-star? I think that's possible. Uh, but in terms of this mock class, Gabby, you know, Miami has two quarterbacks committed. Seems like both guys are fine with being a part of a two quarterback class and embracing that competition. So uh, I think I would assume that's what you have for your mock. Yeah. Yeah. We're good. We're good on those two. I think both of them have a good chance to stick around. What did you think of Emory? Cause uh, on 24 seven, they, they have like a, and again, interviews don't really matter, I guess. I mean, it's more about how the guy can play on the field. But the way Emery carries himself in in an interview, it's on the front page of InsideTheU.com in our video section. He's a pretty impressive guy, uh, the way he interacts on, uh, you know, at the at the table there with Steve Wiltfong and Josh Pate. Was that the Emery you remember talk? Because you've talked to him. Is, Is he engaging like that always? No, uh, not really. Uh, okay. I think that 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 seemed like a confident Emery. That seemed like yeah. a guy who felt like he belonged there. Um, you know, kind of talking about it, and even kind of the way he kind of just like looks directly at the camera, where he, it's almost like he's talking to you, right? Like it's almost like he's right. looking at you in the eye, and you know, just kind of telling you. I mean, he was talking about this coaching staff. He was talking about like. Like kind of doing some national for all he knows that's being recorded live on national TV when he sees those big cameras in his face and he's talking at a desk like that. And, you know, he kind of gave his pitch to the university, like of why the university of Miami is the best spot for him. And, you know, kind of saying he models his game after Joe Burrow and, you know, grew up loving Drew Brees and all those types of things. So, I mean, that was a confident Emory Williams. Uh, you know, again, I think he had a pretty good week out there at the Elite 11. And, you know, the feedback we got on him, yeah, he maybe he wasn't one of those elite, top finishing that top Elite 11, but I think he had a really good day. I mean, we mentioned he came in as the lowest rated passer. I don't think he's going to, you know, I think when they kind of reshuffle these rankings, I don't know if he's going to stay uh, that far behind the pack. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think we saw a lot from Emory Williams and, you know, even kind of check, you know, talking with people in Coral Gables, like after they kind of saw that clip, um, you know, even on, you know, what they were recording Wednesday morning uh, there, that's, that's what they're sort of talking about when they say that they love Emory Williams. They, I mean, it's the intangibles, it's the things that, right. you know, you're not really going to see on a highlight tape and those types of things. That's kind of like the charisma and uh, you know, the kind of energy he kind of carries himself with. And that's something that definitely stands out to some of those guys in the building. It was impressive. It was, it was a glimpse of some alpha dog characteristics. Right. So and I didn't know he had that in him. Uh, right. Okay. Running back. So Miami doesn't have any, um, anybody committed at running back. So let's start here. How many running backs would you expect in this class? And uh, who would you project those players to be? Yeah, I could definitely see two uh, running backs in this class. I, I, I honestly, I, I, I think it could be one, maybe if they don't, if it just doesn't fall there. I don't think they're going to take two for the sake of taking two. I think if they find the right two, they could take two. Um, I know Miami's still really evaluating the position and, you know, they're still kind of, I think when they, when some of these guys get back on vacation from vacation, they're going to kind of go back to the drawing board. One guy I feel pretty good about being in the class is Christopher Johnson, the Fort Lauderdale Dillard uh, track star who won a couple, who won a hundred meter and a 200 meter 
state title, uh, you know, for the Panthers this past spring. I, I think he has a very good chance to be in this class. I know Ole Miss is giving him a lot to think about as well. Uh, you know, Chris Johnson nearly pulled the trigger this past week and kind of held off a little right. bit. Uh, but, you know, I think that's someone Miami feels really good about. There's yeah, not, not re- any real concrete names for that second running back spot. I think best case scenario would be Cedric Baxter out of Orlando Edgewater. He's kind of trending towards Texas, but I mean, Miami's on this crazy recruiting run right now. And I'm not sure I'm ready to really write them off yet. Uh, I, again, I think people are kind or of Cedric. seeing what's going on. Yeah. I mean, I think people are kind of seeing what's going on and kind of looking at Miami like, okay, this thing might be for real. Maybe he takes a, a, a second look or anything like that. He obviously hasn't committed to Texas yet. So I think as long as he remains uncommitted, uh, I'm sure Miami will continue to shoot their shot there. I would say I'm more confident in Miami getting a stud running back than if other positions, if there was like a question mark, right? Like, like, like linebacker, I'd be, you look at what Mario Chris, how they closed last, like this transition cycle, the 2022 cycle, they basically got Trevante citizen out of nowhere. Um, I, I think this offense is going to be pretty appealing for running backs. So we'll see. Yeah, for sure. I think pairing Christopher Johnson with a quote unquote power back or just big body back is, is the right play though. Um, running back. How about there? Miami has what two guys committed, right? Nathaniel Joseph out of Miami Edison slot receiver, recent commit ranks close to the top 100, just outside of it. And Robbie Washington uh, out of now Miami Palmetto top two, four, seven guy um, committed kind of early-ish in the cycle. Um, How many guys do you expect Miami to sign at wide receiver and who would you have earmarked for those spots? Yeah, I could see it. I mean, I think it should be four. Uh, I could see it stretching to five if the right guys are in. I mean, I think two of the guys that probably have the best chance of being the, you know, let's say they do go for wide receiver. I mean, I'd probably put Jalen Brown in that category of, uh, you know, being one of those locking down one of those two spots. I mean, again, a guy that Miami's been recruiting for an extremely long time. Uh, so, I mean, I think Jalen Brown's someone I'd feel pretty comfortable penciling into a mock class right now. He was in my mock class that I put up on inside the U. Uh, so I think he's probably one I'll probably keep in there. And then Andy Jean is the other, the Miami Northwestern wide receiver, former Miami commit. Um, he's someone else that I think Miami has a pretty good shot at, you know, when they got uh, Jaden Rashada, he, you know, I was kind of texting with him and he called him the best quarterback in the class. I think that means something. Uh, Texas A&M, Florida, a couple of those, those schools are Louisville are, are giving him something to think about, but I like Miami right now. Dark horse in of that group. Again, maybe if this thing let's stretches go. to five, again, I think maybe someone that could stretch it to five, let's say, you know, if one of these guys go moves ahead and, you know, does, I, let's say they, they lock in Andy Jean and Jalen Brown. I mean, Jalen Brown, I, I I literally got just got a text from his father saying that they could probably make a, a, a move here relatively soon. And I mean, pretty soon. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think it, let's say they lock in both of those guys. I think a guy like Hakeem Williams might be one to watch out for. Uh, I put on the inside the U message board, I guess earlier this week, maybe over the weekend that Miami's kind of making a, another push at the, you know, Fort Lauderdale strand ahead wide out who, you know, I guess it was clocked at 22.24 miles per hour, which is the second fastest time in the really? nation. Yeah. I mean, just insane time. That, that was like a camp or something. I, I might've, I'm wondering if it was during that spring scrimmage. Cause those numbers came out after that, you know, they did the Palm beach, uh, 
invitational okay. thing. And I know the UC, the UC report, uh, they tweeted that they tweeted that graphic out with some of these with some of these times. I mean, he's a legit six foot three, six foot four, maybe pushing for him. You know, is Julio <clears throat> right? That's like I mean, Julio Jones type stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I think Miami is doing what they can to try to get back into that recruitment. I mean, Texas A&M has a crystal ball. I know our colleague Andrew Ivins has said Georgia's making a, a run now too, and you can't sleep on Pitt because Taekwon Underwood is, is a guy that he has a very, very tight relationship with. But, I mean, I kind of remember back to last fall, David, right? I feel like every Saturday we were at Hard Rock Stadium, right. uh, Hakeem Williams was there walking in too. So a guy very familiar with the program and uh, close to home, and he's very close with mom too, so – Miami's definitely making another run here now. So uh, he's definitely one I'm keeping my eye on. Okay. And and Miami has a couple intriguing quarterback commits. That would be, um, I I would think would be a plus if if they're chasing a big time receiver like Hakeem. So we'll see if they pull off that class. That's what, I mean, those are all five guys from South Florida and those would be, Five of the six best receivers from South Florida. Do you think that's fair to say? Obviously, the sixth one is Brandon Ennis, uh, but that would be a tremendous haul. Yeah, I mean, that'd be ridiculous. I mean, and how long have we been talking about this 2023 recruiting class, those wide receivers to get? Right. I mean, really, I would think that's like what you mentioned, five of the best six. I, mean, I think that would be an incredible haul, but I think the only way you stretch that to five is if you know, you can get those guys and then also add a Hakeem Williams type. I mean, I think four is probably the most realistic number, but uh, I mean, if you can get all five of those guys, I mean, you take them. Tight end, uh, not much to get into here. Miami already has three guys committed. Of course, Riley Williams, the top 100 tight end who committed to Miami fairly recently over Alabama and Ohio State. He'll be playing his senior year at IMG Academy. Earlier in June, uh, Jackson Carver, committed to Miami. He's from Indiana. Reed McKeska committed to Miami. He's from the state of Texas. Both three-star guys, both big body guys that are 6'6", 230, bring some blocking to the position as well. Um, I guess the the talking point here, Gabby, is three commits right now. Do you expect three guys to sign? Yeah, I mean... Maybe I, I see how they could sell it in a way where all three of these guys end up being on board. But look, I mean, there, there's probably another, again, you kind of look at the programs that Miami landed these kids over. I mean, Jackson Carver did not go to Alabama that Wednesday because he decided he was going to commit to Miami. He officially, he unofficially visits Alabama. He probably earns an offer and Alabama's in the mix. He kind of walked away from that. Reed Mikeska could have committed to Oklahoma or Florida really. Um, you know, and then of course, Riley Williams had the best of the best after him. I mean, there's good, I'm sure there's going to be schools that are going to try to poach Jackson Carver, right. um, read my Keska. I think Riley Williams, you know, is a guy that's going to be pretty locked in. And I think all three of those guys are locked in, but I mean, if I'm Oklahoma or, or, or one of these other schools that are still looking for a tight end and you see Miami has three of them, I think you're going to try to get into one of their heads and say, Hey, look, I mean, do you want to go be the third tight end at Miami or do you want to be the number one tight end here? So uh, I think Miami has a little battle on their head right now. Right now, I'm going to say, yeah, they signed all three tight ends because I think all three of them knew that that was potentially that that was a potential scenario when they, you know, went forward and made their commitments to Miami. But, um, you know, I think they're still obviously five months until National Signing Day. So I wouldn't exactly write it in Sharpie that, you know, Miami signs all three of those guys. Offensive line. Miami has three guys committed right now. Mr. Five-star Francis Maui Goa just committed to Miami out of IMG Academy. 
big time get there. Uh, then earlier this cycle, Mr. Frankie Tinelau, who is, he's Australian, correct, Gabby? Yeah. And he is going to play his senior season at LaSalle uh, in Miami. Big guy, big frame guy, 6'5", 320-ish. And then Antonio Tripp, who hails from Maryland and projects as a center type. So there's three guys there locked in and committed. What's your numbers you're looking at at offensive line and who would slot in with those numbers? Because you look at the month of June, Miami had some big-time offensive linemen visit um, outside of Maui Goa, who recently committed. Um, what's this offensive line class going to be looking like? Yeah, I mean, this this is one, David, I mean, I don't want to kind of put, you know, Do I don't want to kind of go too crazy here. But look, I mean, this this is what I know. This is something inside these subscribers have already heard from me. I mean, once Francis Maui Goa, I mean, we wrote, I wrote this, right? I mean, David, we, we talked about this. Like, Francis Maui Goa committing to Miami, I think that was, you know, yes, you know, Jaden Rashad was huge. Nathaniel Joseph was huge. Riley Williams was huge. I think Francis Maui Goa's commitment to Miami just set off alarms nationally that Miami is for real. For Miami to go into IMG right. Academy – and take the top-ranked prospect. Again, I know Andrew Ivins posted a clip on his Twitter. I mean, Francis Malgo is a guy that goes to the SEC in any other cycle, or if Mario Cristobal is not at Miami, 100%. Um, so for, for them to land Maui Goa, again, I think some of these other linemen that have, have visited, I mean, Samson Akamlola, Olaus Allenin, uh, Monroe Freeling, Peyton Kirkland, um, a lot of these guys who are were kind of, you know, again, interested in Miami, really like Miami, are strongly considering them, are kind of, taking a step back and being like, whoa, I might need to figure this out sooner that rather than later, because if Francis Maui goes on board with Miami, I mean, this is, you know, there's going to be spots that are, that are, 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 are the two of these spots are just filling up quickly. So, um, you know, I think Miami's in a really good spot with a lot of these guys. So, right. I mean, my mock class originally had both Francis Maui Goa. Um, it had uh, Samson Akin Lolo, who's another five-star tackle. I would still put both of those guys in a mock class right now. I, I mean, I don't think okay. it's impossible that Miami, Lanza, Samson, Akin, Lola, Perro, Francis, Mawagoa. And that would be an insane haul. It would be unprecedented for Miami to do to sign two five-star tackles, two of the top three in the country. But look, I mean, kind of feedback I'm getting is that, you know, Samson is being like, you know, a lot of these kids will go cold turkey on a, on a school if they're not feeling them or kind of be wishy-washy with them in terms of communication. Like from what I understand, Akin, Lola is in regular, pretty much daily communication with the Miami staff and, you know, I mean, people have hinted to me, like maybe he makes summer commitment. And if he does, I think Miami's in a really good spot there. Uh, Monroe Freeling, I think he's another one. And again, another top two, four, seven offensive tackle. I think I, I know he spoke with Alex Mirabal on Tuesday night and, you know, they were having conversations. Olaus Allen is a kid that went and visited Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Oregon. He's looking at Miami right now and just kind of making sure that he's all right. You know, if he still wanted to make that move. So I think a lot of these guys are kind of looking at Miami, all, a lot of these linemen. And I, I mean, I think this has potential to be one of the best offensive line halls that Miami's ever seen. Uh, I think it has potential to be the best in the country. And again, I think Alex Mirabal's done an excellent job selling this program. And so, yeah, on a, in a mock class right now, I mean, I'm penciling in Samson Akin Lola. I might pencil in an Olaus Allen, and I think Miami has a really good chance there. Okay. 
I might even be penciling in a, a guy like Monroe Freeling. You know, again, I think Miami's getting, giving him a lot to talk about. I was trading some messages with him earlier today, and he told me Miami's one of his top three schools, and that's coming off visits to Georgia, uh, Notre Dame. He really likes Clemson. He says he wants to go see Ohio State and Michigan in the past. Does he expedite his timeline as a guy who maybe wanted to announce in December if he kind of pushes that up? Again, I, I, I would like where Miami would be sitting there. And again, so I think there's, there's a very – there's a little bit of spots to be had and a lot of big names that are in there. You have to also have to talk about Tommy Kinsler. He just decommitted from Florida. I mean, my, again, he's someone Miami really wants also. I mean, he's, he has a, he has an opportunity to jump on board right now. So, I mean, again, an offensive line class right now is tough to mock because it seems like there's a lot of big names involved, but I mean, I there's all of these guys are fair game. And you know, what could that mean for some of the guys that are already committed? I mean, I think Antonio Tripp, regardless of staying in this class. I don't think that they would ever move on for him. I think he's a really valuable part of what they're doing. Frankie Tinelau is another guy that, you know, has been committed to them for a while. But again, if all, if four of these elite linemen want in, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to take six, six linemen? I don't think so. So um, I think it's just a situation to sort of watch. It's, it's a good problem to have, but as I've mentioned on the board, I think this is a, this is something Miami's going to have to navigate over these next few weeks and really months going into that early signing period. Let's talk Kinsler just a little bit and discuss that situation. Seemed like, you know, he, he pulled the trigger on decommitting from Florida. Seemed like a commitment to Miami was imminent. Yeah. We are recording this Wednesday afternoon and maybe he pops tonight, right? But what is your current understanding of that situation? Is, is Miami still looking good there? Um, or, or are things going to go quiet there with Kinsler? Do you feel like? Yeah. I mean, I think Miami's still in a really good spot there. And I think he's someone that they're kind of eager to get on board. Um, you know, again, I thought that Monday was a potential day where he could have announced that came and went after the Maui Goa announcement. And, you know, he didn't pull the trigger that night. Um, you know, and now he's kind of just sitting around and again, he, he committed to Florida while on his official visit less than, Maybe, I guess, a little bit over a week later, he decommits after officially visiting Miami. I mean, I think writing's on the wall. Maybe he wants to see something else. I'm not really sure, but it felt like, you know, again, and I think people were under the impression that it was just going to be him eventually landing at Miami. I'm not exactly what, I'm not exactly sure what the holdup is, but the sort of phrase that I was told was that the ball is in Kinsler's court. So uh, whenever he decides that he's ready to move forward that that with that announcement, I think Miami would be happy to have him. Defensive side. This is where I think things are interesting because I, I think, I'm not saying it's bad, but I think it's a little more murky on the defensive side. Not murky, maybe just, it's just going to be like a long game approach, I feel like, on the defensive side. Does that make sense? Like, I, I feel like they're talking to a lot of guys that yeah. might not make decisions until November, December, uh, and then if they if they're not signing till February, you know, up until then. But let's let's jump into the defensive side. Yeah. Um, let, let's talk edge. So defensive yeah. ends, edge rush. Uh, Miami doesn't have any commits at this point there, uh, but they are in the mix for some big, big, big time guys. Where do you want to give me your numbers and who who would you slot in? Yeah, I mean, I have. I mean, on my mock class, I'll probably just roll with what I got on here. Um, I have three edge rushers. Um, 
I mean, one of them, maybe, or maybe a couple of them have some of that position versatility that I know Mario Cristobal has kind of talked about in the past. Maybe guys that can, you know, come off the edge or potentially kick inside if need be. So um, right now I have three guys in the class that are listed as an edge. Um, okay. The, the, I mean, one that I think could be on board sooner rather than later, uh, five-star Jaden Wayne. I mean, he's, he's expected to make a commitment on Saturday. Uh, Crystal ball's rolling in in favor of Miami. So I'm liking where the hurricanes are at right there. Uh, number one ranked edge rusher in the country. Um, I'm sorry, not the number one ranked edge rusher in the country. Um, you know, number five ranked edge rusher in the country, but a five-star. Um, I think Miami's in a really, really good spot there. And, you know, so he's someone I definitely have in my mock class. Uh, another one, Collins, Akeem Pong, uh, guy from California, officially visited Miami that last weekend of June. Had a, I guess, a July 1st commitment date. Kind of took a step back from that because it seemed like he was genuinely torn from that. I still think Miami's in a really good spot there, but he's so he's another one that I have in my mock. And the Is last there a one, new date for Collins yet, or still? I, I don't think he's set a new date yet. I okay. think it could come soon. I know. Uh, yeah. I, I think he might want to announce. Too. I think he wants to announce like on a national, you know, like on a big platform. I think a, right. a CBS Sports HQ announcement could get set up uh, relatively soon or anything like that. You know, sometime soon, I guess. I think that would be something to sort of watch out for him. But, I mean, Miami, Michigan, LSU, UCLA are his four finalists. I think Miami and Michigan are really the two battling it out. So, um, he's one I, I definitely am keeping an eye on. Uh, the third edge rusher I got, Samuel Mpemba. Uh, Miami's kind of on a run at IMG Academy. I mean, Francis go on board. Riley Williams, number two ranked tight end is there. Uh, Jaden Wayne, if Jaden Wayne jumps on board, I mean, another a third, you know, top 100 talent at IMG Academy. Another one that Miami would really love to have is, is Mpemba played tight end with Jaleel Skinner. Of course, the Miami freshman tight end last year, making the full-time transition to defense. And, uh, you know, he's going to be a classmate, teammate, position mate of Wayne, who, who could potentially be a Miami commit by, uh, you know, Saturday evening. So I think a lot of a lot of the right people in Mpemba's ear. And, uh, you know, I think he's someone that, you know, kind of having a lot of Miami people around him could potentially influence him in the right way. And again, someone Miami really, really values. He took a couple unofficial visits to Miami during the spring. So yeah, he's how someone many else was kind of, it? Was it three? I think it was two. two. I, I think it was okay. two, but I, I, that's still a pretty big deal. He didn't come back in June. He didn't do the official visit thing, but he's, that that just means that he has a couple more in his back pocket. I think Notre Dame's doing a really good job there. Georgia is too. And of course he's from St. Louis. So um, right. I think that Missouri's in, in, in the mix a little bit too, but I think Miami's in there as well. And again, I'm thinking about that IMG influence and, uh, if Miami could really infiltrate that program, that would pay off huge long-term. So, uh, that, that would be a big one for Miami to win. So those are the three edges in your class. Are there any, is there any other edges that you're like borderline? Like, eh. Oh Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's like a few guys where I can kind of throw into here. Like, just give me I the mean, names. You don't yeah, got to go into detail. By Job is one I would probably, you know, continue. I think Miami's still in that recruitment. Dropped the top three. Miami's not in it. I think that they're absolutely involved. Uh, Jaquavius Russell is another one I know Miami really, really likes uh, from the state of Alabama. Um, who's another one? Damon Wilson out of Venice is another guy Miami values really highly as well. So I'm not married to either to any three any three in particular like i think right. all these guys could be potentially interchangeable um but that's just this is just kind of my read on it now i think miami i mean i think after wayne russell might be the top name on the board you know i think russell okay. is someone that they valued really really highly for a long time so he's someone else i'm looking at but i think they're going to take that him and 
you know, his teammate and like basically like, I don't know, they like live together, James Smith, they might do the same thing. So I think it'd be really big for Miami to get Russell and that group on board. Interior defensive line. Um, yeah. You got one guy in your mock. This is yeah. a hard position to yeah, mock because who knows, right? Right. But tell us about the one guy you got in the mock. Yeah, Ruben Bain is is my guy. Uh, again, someone who probably wants to hear that he's a defensive end, but you know, I think it potentially be an inside guy. Uh, uh, my, from Miami Central was abs- was insanely productive as a junior. Forty nine and a half tackles for loss, twenty nine and a half sacks. First team junior All American. Uh, you know, Roland Smith is high school head coach at Miami. All, all the all the things that we've said about Ruben Bain in the past. I mean, he's the, he's the one that I penciled in, but again, like I'm not ready to write off a guy like James Smith, who, you know, is a five-star defensive lineman, John Walker out of, uh, you know, Kissimmee Osceola is another guy Miami really likes uh, Jordan Hall from Jacksonville. I think he's another one that, you know, Miami's Miami, you know, really would like to have as well. And so there's a few interior defense, like true interior defensive linemen that are in there, but Ruben Bain's the only one I put inside my mock. Linebacker. Miami has Bobby Washington committed the brother of Robbie Washington, uh, Miami Palmetto, three-star guy, has the body type, has some athletic traits that are intriguing to develop. Uh, this is a key position of need, Gabby. Who else are you looking at in terms of adding them to your mock at linebacker? Yeah, uh, another position that I think is still kind of under construction uh, for Miami people in Coral Gables, just because, uh, you know, a couple of targets that I feel like they had some traction with. They're kind of trending elsewhere. Uh, the one I did put in my mock Malik Bryan, a name I think Miami fans are plenty familiar with by now uh, may, really came on at IMG Academy uh, became one of the top edge rushers in his class kind of, you know, just transitioning into being like more of a true linebacker. Um, so I, I, he's the one, I think Miami's in a really, really good spot there. He commits on July 23rd. And uh, yeah, I think Miami's in, I think Miami has a good chance to land that commitment. Are there any other names you'd throw out there at linebacker? Or is that a position where Miami's just kind of resetting the board? Raul Aguari uh, from Georgia. His dad, I believe, went to Christopher Columbus High School here in Miami. Alma mater, Mario Cristobal, uh, Alex Mirabal. I, I think he's still a name that they're still sort of monitoring. But again, a guy who did not officially visit in, in June, uh, took trips to Texas, Alabama, Ohio State, I believe, and has a July 16th commitment date. So Again, kind of just reading the tea leaves there. I'm not sure that bodes super well for Miami, but I think they're still trying. Um, if he pushes that back, I think that would be best case. And of right. course, no recruitment is final until you know Penn meets paper. So I wouldn't be surprised right. to see the Hurricanes continue to to put to push there. Um, but yeah, I think that's probably the only other linebacker I would put. Corner. Miami has a commitment from Robert Stafford. Um, kind of another important position of need for Miami this cycle is they need to stack talent there uh, and, and improve the overall talent at that position group. So outside of Stafford, who was a good, nice little athletic pledge um, recently here, big time athlete, who else would you include there and who, who might be a name to know? Yeah. I think the only, I think the only other name I would add there is probably, I mean, in my mock right now, who I would probably pencil in into the class is Damari Brown, the top two, four, seven corner out of plantation, American heritage. Dad was a Miami, um, you know, he, he's a Miami legacy. Dad played at Miami, all that fun stuff. And, you know, again, I think Miami weathered a couple big storms in official visits to Clemson and official visits to Alabama. Both of those came and went and, uh, you know, didn't result in a commitment. 
I'm still looking at programs like Oklahoma and maybe Florida, even Florida State as schools who could potentially make this, this interesting. But I think Miami's in a pretty good position to, to potentially close at a school that they really haven't had a ton of success with in the past. So I think that would be a really big win for the Hurricanes on the recruiting trail. Damari Brown hasn't officially visited Miami yet, but he did take a couple unofficial visits, was there hanging out for one of those individual camp days, uh, returned for that Legends camp. So I think, uh, you know, they've done a good job of just getting him on campus a lot. He's not in your mouth, but I got to ask him about right. Cormani. What's, yeah. what's the sense there? Yeah, I mean, I think Miami's done a really, really good job there, man. I mean, just kind of the tone, how that, how much the tone of that recruitment has shifted over the last, I don't know, few months between January where, you know, I remember being at the South Florida Express tryouts and Cormani McLean telling me that Miami was one of his two favorite schools. Like they're a school in his top two. Um, and then kind of fast forward a couple months, Miami's not really even in the mix for him. Uh, you know, kind of he's being linked to Florida, the crystal ball sitting on Florida, all that stuff. And I think the tone now is that Alabama is the team to beat. And I think, you know, beating Nick Saban and Crim and the Crimson Tide for, you know, an elite defensive back like that will always be tough. But it seems like Miami significantly closed the gap on 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 Florida, probably sitting number two right now, maybe back in that top two. But I think Alabama has a comfortable lead at one. But again, Miami's on this run right now where, you know, maybe a couple more guys jump on board and Cormani right. McLean's looking at Miami and being like, okay, like maybe I'm not crazy for feeling as good about Miami as I maybe do right now. So, you know, I think as more time passes and as Miami continues to stack some of this elite talent in the class of 2023, I think that only puts you in better position to, to land a guy like Cormani McLean. Safety. Um, couple top targets set to announce this month. I'm curious if any of those guys are in your mock. Yo, I mean, Jaden Bonds, who definitely is. He's one of the guys that are, that are going to announce. He's, he's set for a July 20th announcement. Moved that up from sometime in August. Basically pushed up that timeline by a month. Coming off of an, an unofficial visit to Miami at the end of June. Coming off an early, an early June official visit. I mean, my crystal ball is on Miami for Jaden Bonsu out of St. Peter's Prep in New Jersey. I think the Hurricanes have done a really good job there. He's been a top-of-the-board type of safety for them this really since Jamile Dye uh, got to Miami from Georgia. And I think they've just done a really good job of pursuing him. So I think there's a really good chance that Bonsu uh, ends up in Miami's class, David. And it sounds like the other one you're alluding to is Jonel Aguero, who right. will also make his, his uh, commitment sometime in July. And, you know, I think at, at, a, at a point I was kind of not sure where Miami sort of stood there. And again, another person who I think has been sort of impressed by the road Miami's been on. I think he's looking at them and kind of seeing that, you know, their recruiting efforts, at least currently, are on par with a lot of a lot of his other finals, like Ohio State, Georgia, and, and definitely Florida, who I believe is the fourth school in that top four. So, um, you know, I, I think Miami's has position. I think they're in as good of a position right now to close on Jonel Guerrero as they've been at any point of this cycle. So um, I'm kind of, you know, again, kind of, so you got to tip your cap to Jamal Dye and what they've done there. But uh, I think Miami's put themselves in a pretty good position. They still got to fend off Ohio state and Georgia, not saying anything's even close to a done deal, but I think that they've put definitely put their best foot forward in that recruitment. You didn't include Jonel in your published mock on the 29th of June. Would you put him in it now? I, I probably would. Uh, I would okay. probably, I mean, I was doing, you know, David, uh, definitely a, uh, you know, good tip yeah. from you put, no, putting some change. Yeah, putting some confidence scores next to, uh, you know, all the all the guys not that were not committed. Um, you know, I would probably throw Jonell in there. 
uh, maybe with like a four confidence score. Like, like you know, okay. I think uh, Miami still got some work to do, but you know, kind of in hindsight, I'm kind of kicking myself for for not putting Jonell in there. And I put I put Conrad Hussey in there, who's a Penn State commit, who's kind of looking around. I think I think he's definitely in that second tier of safety behind uh, Aguero and Bonsu. And uh, let's say Miami does does miss on uh, Jonell Aguero, I think he's someone that they can definitely pivot to. But I wish I would have you know, kind of puff my chest a little bit more, throwing him in that, into that mock class. Cause I think there's a chance Miami could potentially land it. Yeah. And you've gathered more information since publishing right. that mock. So that's the class. Um, when you look at it, big picture sense, right? Five stars, right? Um, without Jonel Aguero, your mock has five, five stars with Jonel Aguero. Your mock has six, five stars. That's, impressive um but i will say like that's exactly the type of talent acquisition that it takes to compete for championships that's like basically if you go back and look over the last four cycles at alabama ohio state georgia who are the three programs that really separate themselves from recruiting at the highest level annually um they pretty much average four, five stars a cycle. So this would jump Miami into that range for just one cycle. And that's what it takes to win at the major college football level. Anything else to wrap up big picture wise, put a bow on your mock class here at the midway point, Gabby. Yeah. I mean, I mean, not really look, I mean, I guess I'll just, just with these departing thoughts, uh, as I kind of alluded to earlier, I think Miami is definitely making some noise in uh, you know, the circles of some of these top prospects in the class of 2023. And, right. you know, I know it's kind of, it's not something we're necessarily accustomed to, but, you know, I think David, when Mario Cristobal got here, we were saying it's maybe, it might not be far fetched to start expecting, you know, top five classes from, from him. Right. We were kind of talking mm-hmm. about it and we were like, you know, yeah, maybe they, they, I was like, I think they want to be in the top five, you know, that's kind of the feedback I've gotten. And it was always like, yeah, that sounds really nice. But now we're kind of seeing what they could actually do. And this is why you bring a guy like Mario Cristobal here. Again, still a long way to go, but I think Mario Cristobal and the staff are on track to do exactly what they've kind of been saying that they plan on doing, you know, maybe even behind closed doors. And that's signing elite recruiting classes, top five. I think really, if you pin some, if you, if you're really a, a fly on the wall, you would hear top two. And I don't think Mario Cristobal is okay with being second to anyone. So I know that they're kind of coming for, you know, top class after top class after top class. And, you know, again, I think uh, they're they're making some steps towards that, not saying they're going to sign the top ranked recruiting class, but um, these guys are on a pretty impressive run. And again, I think this Francis Mawigoa commitment rang in a new era of uh, recruiting down in Coral Gables. If you look at your mock class, it stands out on the line of scrimmage. It's, right. it's you know, I think four, three or four of the five stars that you put in are, are on that line of scrimmage, which we know Mario Cristobal values. So, Gabby, let's get out of here on that. Appreciate you hopping on with us on your vacation. Go back to the beach. Keep working on that tan. Enjoy that nice warm bath water (laughs) of the ocean. And uh, we'll see. Maybe we'll get more good news this weekend on the recruiting trail. But till next time, appreciate everyone for listening and supporting this podcast. Take care.